is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortofone, Audio-Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit NeatNeatNeatRecords.com for more information. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Music Vibes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to make us one of your favorites by hitting that subscribe button to keep up to date. Appreciate the new reviews that we got for the podcast. So something I'm going to start doing on here is when I get a new review on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to read them live on the podcast. It's been a little while since we've been on the podcast. It took a little bit of hiatus. I was working on a different project. So our last podcast was back on June 6th and we did the celebration of Curtis Mayfield. I was joined by Jeff Slate from Rockseller Magazine and freelancer Dan Epstein. We talked a little bit of Curtis Mayfield. But since then, we've had a couple reviews come in and I just want to give those a nice quick little shout out because I appreciate people taking time to, you know, leave a couple reviews. So we had one actually I didn't get to I didn't get to this one. So back in April, we had B Man 99999 and his his words were unique vibes. And he gave it a five star. He says, DC Hendrix knows what he's doing, a skilled interviewer and host. This feels much more like a smooth professional radio show than most podcasts. Highly recommend. Thanks so much, B-Man99999. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, and the other review that came in, this actually came in June 7th, the day after the Curtis Mayfield podcast. This was from DPFDE. He said, well worth your time. Another five-star rating. Says, DC has an impressive array of music knowledge and innate ability to connect the dots between the classic and the contemporary in a very engaging conversational manner. Check out his podcast. You'll be glad you did. Thanks so much dpfde appreciate you this is the music vibes podcast and that is something we're going to start doing so if you leave me a review you'll be getting a shout out so on this episode of the podcast we're going to be talking about abbey road the 11th studio album by the beatles and we're going to be talking about the story of abbey road and the end of the beatles which and we have this fantastic book right in front of us today called solid state the story of Abbey Road and the end of the Beatles. We will be having Dr. Kenneth Womack once again joining us here on the podcast. He joined me back for the anniversary of the White Album, and he's going to be joining us again. I think he's become our Beatles guest, but he has his new book out, Solid State, the story of Abbey Road and the end of the Beatles, and it is out everywhere, so make sure you guys get your copy. 288 pages, not too much, but for you Beatles fans, I think you'll love it. I mean, he's a Beatles historian, Dr. Womack is, and he offers the most definitive account yet of the writing, recording, mixing, and reception of Abbey Road. Now, back in February of 1969, the Beatles began working on what would become their final album together. Abbey Road introduced a number of new techniques and technologies to the Beatles sound and included the songs Come Together, Something, and Here Comes the Sun, which are all emerged as classics. Solid State takes readers back to 1969 and into EMI's Abbey Road Studio, which boasted an advanced Solid State transitor mixing desk. And Womack basically focuses on the dynamics between John Paul, George, and Ringo, and of course the producer George Martin and the team of engineers who set aside the tensions most of it anyway set aside their tensions and conflicts to put together this final album with the Beatles. And Kenneth Womack is going to be joining us. Now he also has a couple other books um, on the Beatles. It includes uh, Long and Winding Roads and the Beatles 
Encyclopedia. He is also the author of the acclaimed two-volume biography of Sir George Martin, Maximum Volume, and Sound Pictures. I call him Doctor because he is the Dean of Humanities and Social Sciences at Monmouth University, where he also serves as Professor of English. Uh, you guys can give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Kenneth A. Womack and visit his website, Kenneth-Womack.com, for more Beatles history and insight. You can also give me a follow on Twitter. I'm at DC Hendrix. The podcast Twitter is at Music Vibes Pod. And, of course, the station, Big 92.3. And while you're there, give Need 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 Records and Music a follow as well on all social media platforms. Like him on Facebook, etc. So we're talking Abbey Road, one of my personal favorite albums from the Beatles. I do like the White Album a little bit more. I'm not a, I think I said before, I'm not the biggest Sgt. Pepper fan. I love Yellow Submarine, love Let It Be, but Abbey Road is my second favorite, right behind the White Album. It's a, and I, as I said, it's a very different sound for the Beatles. They went a little bit. This is where they started getting, uh, you know, more on the pop side. You know, a lot of people, a lot of older people I talked to about the Beatles, they said, well, they were the first boy band. And it's like, all right, cool. Um, th- th- and this is kind of where they kind of got that reputation, where they went a little bit softer, went away from the rock a little bit and went a little bit more to the pop side, like where the Beach Boys were at this time. But Still, I love this sound, and I thought this was great for the Beatles. And unfortunately, this was the only time we'd really get to hear this sound from the Beatles, you know, the more pop side of them. Um, because, this again, this was their final album together before John Lennon went on to do other things. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney went on with the Wings. Um, this is right around that time. So these guys were getting ready to venture off. Um, there was a lot of tension between the within the band around this time. I know John Lennon started getting really hard on the drugs, um, and that started... You know, there were there were a variety of different reasons why the Beatles were starting to reach this point. But let's go ahead and dig into a little bit of Abbey Road and this fantastic book, Solid State, the story of Abbey Road and the Beatles. But before we get to that and before we get to Dr. Kenneth Womack, who's going to be joining us, I'm going to give you a nice little sample and play a couple samples from songs from the fantastic album Abbey Road. And then we'll be right back with Dr. Kenneth Womack to talk about his book and the album Abbey Road and the unfortunate end of the Beatles.
So the last time I talked to you on this podcast, we talked a little bit of the White Album, and I was invited to an absolutely fantastic White Party, uh, the listening party out at Monmouth University. How did that go? Oh, it was beautiful. It was a really nice blend of high-quality content, but also, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people really celebrating the Beatles and having fun. Yeah, I'm still uh, still haven't completely got over that. Just couldn't make the travel. Uh, it looked great. I was I seeing some of the pictures you were posting. I was I was just so in awe. It looked like a great event. You know, anytime I can get together with Beatles fans like yourself and the people that went, um, it would have been fantastic. But I'm I'm glad you had a good time. It looked like a great event. And today we have you again on this podcast to once again talk the Beatles because you have a new fantastic book called Solid State and is the story of Abbey Road and the end of the Beatles. And so so basically before we even get to the book, I gotta ask you. So the last. Time and we talked again, as I mentioned, we talked about the White Album. How many times, and you, this doesn't have to be an exact number, how many times have you gave both Abbey Road and the White Album a spin? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be in the hundreds for sure. Yeah. Well, since the last time we talked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, probably a dozen. I was going to say, it hasn't even been 100 days. That's that's a lot, man. You, yes. <laughs> so the, the last time we talked, you have gave it um, a couple spins since then? Oh, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So Abbey Road, let's 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 go ahead and get into the book a little bit. Now, this of course is foreword by Alan Parsons. That's absolutely true. The man behind the boards and of course the Alan Parsons project yeah. really generously stepped up and offered to help out. That is awesome. That is awesome. So kind of kind of give us a little background and kind of an introduction to this book, Solid State: The Story of Abbey Road and the End of the Beatles. Well, what I I, I was uh, approached and I'm thrilled about it by Cornell Mm-hmm. They wanted to celebrate the band, and I said, well, I've got the story for you. Um, and uh, almost immediately, I, I started writing specifically about technology, you know, because anybody who knows Abbey Road knows that it sounds different than their other work. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's precisely the approach I've taken. I look at the new solid-state technology, the eight tracks that they use, uh, the mixing board, and... Uh, you know, I explore the album from that point of view, but of course, you can't talk about um, solid state technology in the making with, of Abbey Row without talking about the fact that you know they're on the verge of breaking up too, and that that's such mm-hmm. a, a a huge shadow looming over that story. Yeah, and then it was February of 1969, the Beatles began working on what would become their final album together, Abbey Road. Let's kind of dig into the album a little bit. Now, this album obviously features, uh, you know, the most known tracks probably would be Come Together, uh, Here Comes the Sun, a couple of songs from there. But um, And I played those to kind of give a nice little background of this. So we've obviously heard Abbey Road, at least I hope everyone has heard Abbey Road at least one time since they've, <laughs> since they've been alive, at least one time. What do you, what, what do you think they were trying to accomplish with Abbey Road. I know um, it was a very peaceful album in a time that wasn't very peaceful. Um, but what what do you think they were trying to come across with this album, Abbey Road? Um, I, I do believe uh, that they didn't necessarily know they were about to break up. Uh, I know that it tells better that way. And of course, when you watch something like the anthology, mm-hmm. you can see George Martin and the Beatles speaking about how this would be the end and all of that. Um, and, and while, of course, that turns out to be true, they don't necessarily approach it that way. Um, so I, I do think there is some mythology. Uh, of course, this story has been around for so very long that, <laughs> you know, people have really formed their opinions, right? Mm-hmm. 
when you have something that is already five decades old or about to be five decades old. But when you get to the story of the record, uh, you know, it, it, they did have an attitude of wanting to make something very special. There's no doubt about that. Um, they uh, were proud of the White Album and, uh, of course, Sgt. Pepper and, and earlier works such as those. Mm-hmm. So Abbey Road was just the logical next step. And, you know, as you know from your own study of the Beatles, mm-hmm. they always wanted to create a different sound with each new project. You know, the White Album, they went back to rock after sort of leaving the psychedelia of Sgt. Pepper behind. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a rhythm and blues sort of approach uh, to getting back with the Get Back Later Letter B project. And Abbey Road, they wanted to be different even still. Yeah, and the kind of without without going too far into the book, but I do want to give a nice little sneak peek sneak peek into it. Um, so you you went really deep into the written part and recorded part and kind of the solid state taking readers back to 1969 in the actual actual Abbey Road studio. Um, So what exactly did you get in your findings? Because I know you also went into detail with producer George Martin, obviously his biographer as well. Um, What were some details that you entailed within behind the scenes, you know, the recording of this album? Well, I wanted people to understand um, how the ideas for it, were sort of laid out in time. So Mm. in addition to elevating their game uh, with the technology, they also had, you know, many ideas that were sort of in the main and had been for a while. Um, And uh, when you look at the songs, some of them are new, of course, but others have been gestating um, over a period of months, perhaps even longer. Mm. Um, So I was interested in in helping people feel like they're there. I think that's the experience that we all want to have, right? We want to get a sense of how it unfolded, what happened when, um, you know, what details were they concerned with during the last weeks of making the record? You know, um, any creative person can tell you, right, that mm-hmm. there are things that just nag at you. And, and there were several in the Beatles' minds there that last week that they knew they had to get right before it would necessarily be done. So um, I wanted to, to do that kind of deep dive uh, and I, I think I pulled it off. I feel good about it. Um, and, of course, it has a sad part. Uh, I vividly felt the sadness uh, in those yes. in those latter chapters when the Beatles realized that they can't go any further. For my generation, anyway, and obviously, I think we both can agree we're in a different generation. So for my generation, I think the consensus you know, thought and why of why the Beatles broke up originally, at least from what I, the way I've grown up, I heard it was all John Lennon's fault, I guess. Um, you know, Yoko Uno was coming around all the time. And I mean, at least from what I've read, it's been blamed pretty much on John Lennon. So for you, that was, you know, pretty much an, an around during this time who has obviously studied them, talked with a variety of different people that were involved. Why do you think the Beatles broke up? Um, I think that they broke up for two reasons, and they're both salient. Mm. Uh, but the first one um, is probably the larger issue of generativity. So, you know, uh, they didn't want to, at a certain level, you don't want to hang out uh, with the guys you knew when you were 15. Um, yeah. <laughs> or if you do, um, you know, maybe you don't want to hang out with them in quite the same fashion. So, mm. um you know, there's just a, an interesting aspect to that that's, that's worth thinking about. You know, the idea of generativity and, and how we grow up. Um, and, of course, as John Lennon liked to say, there were big egos in that band. 
And when you have one of those big egos, whether you're Lennon, McCartney, or Harrison, at a certain level, you believe you don't need these guys around to do what you do anymore, right? Yeah. You're great without them. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure that played in at, at some level. Uh, but then the other point I was going to make is John Lennon had a protracted uh, heroin addiction. Yeah. He hidden, he's never hidden this. Of course, he had a song called, about trying to break it, and he was unsuccessful uh, at, at, at breaking his addiction in, in the fall months of 1969, um, trying to go cold turkey notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. And the specter of heroin for them was very difficult. You know, as Paul would say, we thought we were far out, but we weren't that far out. Um, and when you think about it in those terms, you know, you can think about, uh, you know, most families I know have some kind of addiction at some point that is harming them. I think a lot of people can understand what happens when a member of the family goes to this place. You know, it, uh, it really creates dysfunction, and, and they suffered from some of that during this period. Yeah, and another thing that you highlighted in this book that I really want to kind of visit back to, because my generation has heard of Abbey Road, of course, and the album, but the recording studios. Let's let's go to that. You really highlighted, um, you know, how cultivating and the, I mean, the instrument skills, recording equipment. What makes Abbey Road so special? Well, it is all those elements coming together, right? You have the technology, as we've already discussed, mm. but you also have the Beatles in many ways at the height of their powers as musicians. They can really play. The songs are extraordinary, you know, so you have all of these different kinds of elements coming together, even their production team, right? Re- bringing Emmerich and Martin back together in the way they do, mm-hmm. uh, working with uh, new and not-so-new faces with Alan Parsons and and uh, John Curlander and others. They really have all of the elements in place uh, to do something magnificent, and, uh, and they pull it off uh, beautifully, you know, uh, bringing all those elements together. They really were uh, virtuosic uh, as musicians at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, and something special was happening, and uh, to their credit, they just bring it off very ambitiously and very effectively. So I have to ask you, because I've never been there. You ever been to Abbey Road Studios? I have been one time, yes. How was it? Tell us about it. Um, it's, uh, you know, at a certain level, um, it's not different from other facilities. I've been to many recording studios. Mm. No, it's a business. It's a, it's a going concern. But when you uh, walk into Studio 2, for example, mm. uh, I, I really felt the power of being in there and just the extraordinary uh, nature of what that room has witnessed and what people have done with it. It's really quite something. Um, so I have to admit that when I was standing in the doorway looking in between sessions, uh-huh. uh, I I was uh, <laughs> I was feeling something. <laughs> you felt the vibes. <laughs> I did feel I did truly feel the vibes. Absolutely. I love it, and I'm I'm glad you kind of segued. Uh, you felt something, uh, which is obviously one of the one of the big tracks. So let, let's talk about some of the tracks and how they kind of you know resonate with us. So from this album, as I mentioned, you have something. You have Here Comes the Sun, Come Together. What are some songs that have a personal remembrance with you? What are some songs that resonate with you? Well, I, uh, you know, I'm a, a late-stage Beatles fan. I really didn't discover them until 1977 or thereabouts. Um, I'm a Gen Xer, so you know, I'm not a first-generation fan. But mm-hmm. my memories, and I, I, would, I think you and your listeners probably share this too, uh, occurred you know, just laying around the house. I remember vividly I would put the... Uh, 
the record uh, of Abbey Road on the stereo, and it would play. And I remember late at night being jerked awake when uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy would suddenly end mid-bar, mm. right? Uh, and then, of course, I'd listen to the record again, fall asleep, and then it would wake me up again. <laughs> uh, you know, things like that. Or the first time I heard the medley um, and uh, began to realize that this band that I already loved was perhaps even better than I thought. You know, that they could conceive of making something like that is, uh, is very powerful. Um, and th- those are my memories of the Beatles, really. You know, is uh, there's always something new to discover, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so that's how complete their achievement is. And I want to get this right. I'm sure you know this exactly. But I, from what I remember, so the album, the record was actually released in September 26th of 1969 which is odd because didn't didn't john lennon already form a new group at that point well the plastic ono band existed as a kind of uh it's just it a side project maybe even a side concept is a better way to look at it they mm-hmm. had credit uh it was a loose collective right it it was whoever was there really mm-hmm. uh was a member of the plastic ono band so they had this loose collective that exists existed rather and, uh, yeah, certainly he was uh, eager to try something different. So he performed in, in Toronto and, uh, you know, in, in those sorts of moments. So, like, he didn't even really, this album is just so historic and it's just weird that, so I imagine he didn't even really get to take in, you know, how successful. And obviously he ended up you know, dying later on as well, but he didn't even really have a r- real chance to, you know, the success that Abbey Road had. It was just weird. I was, I was thinking, I was like, wait a second, didn't he already have um, another band at that point? One of the great things about John Lennon, though, um, even though perhaps the historical record that he's left behind is mm. complicated and convoluted, um, he always tells us what he's thinking, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, he's very honest about it. Uh, and he had, as we've talked about before, he had some run-ins with George Martin in the 70s, mm. some verbal warfare. And he would admit, I wasn't thinking straight. My head wasn't on right. I was really screwed up on this or that. Um, and that was one of those periods where he wasn't, you know, clear, uh, as clear as he might have been on perhaps how he felt about things or how he perceived them. So, yeah. uh you know, and the tragedy, of course, again, is it's a guy who doesn't get to live to be 40 and rethink all of these things, right? <laughs> you know, that's the, the benefit of longer or long life. Yeah. The ability to go back and say, wow, I got this wrong. Absolutely. Or, yeah. You know, so that's, that's, again, the tragedy of John Lennon. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I wanted to verify this with you as well. So there was some unreleased material so i i heard there was a rumor and i don't know if this is exactly true that's why we got you so three days after i think they recorded i want you she's so heavy was there some unreleased material that was involved with this as well um god you'd have to be more specific yeah well i think um i heard i think george harrison recorded um i I think a couple of tracks and then i think um i think mccartney did a couple at least that's what that's what i read i think there was a couple days after they had recorded most of the songs for abbey road i I heard there was some unreleased material that was not not released with abbey road well i i don't know if i know of anything like that i know that paul comes back in and he did a little bit of uh cleanup on one of the songs it was kind of messed up but it wasn't 
it was normal. It was routine. Oh. He just heard something he didn't like. Oh. Um, of course, they come back together in January of 1970 for what will really be the last Beatles sessions, unless you want to count, mm-hmm. you know, the anthology. Right. Um, you know, to work on some of the Let It Be songs. But beyond that, yeah, beyond that, I'm not sure I... Okay. Uh, John Lennon will come in and he will work on uh, the potential, potentially releasing a single of uh, um, What's the New Mary Jane with uh, You Know My Name, Look Up the Number. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't have a lot of support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As it shouldn't have. <laughs> I don't know if I had no, I didn't have you on this podcast, but I remember we remembered the legend Jeff Emmerich um, and he was involved in this as well. Recalls the, you know, the TG desk used the record, uh, you know, the album. This was his last time working with the Beatles as well, correct? Um, absolutely. Yeah, he uh, he came in. Um, he goes into his next project, which is working on Apple Studio, which is the basement studio mm-hmm. at Savile Row. Did you ever get to meet Jeff Emmerich? I did, and we were, um, sadly, we were going to go and do some events together that we were working up before, right before he died, um, and I would, I know I would have enjoyed speaking with him and, and yeah. exploring some of these topics. Uh, he was very, very proud of their work on Abbey Road. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff, Jeff Emmerich uh, was, uh, <laughs> um, you know, could be a testy guy, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah. In fact, some of the studio folks called him hemorrhoids, <laughs> um, you know, because he would really, uh, he, was, he could just be very testy. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so uh, Emmerich uh, came into it not really liking the sound of the TG desk, but throughout the process of working on the record really came to value it and understand it better. So um, you got to give him some credit for uh, really uh, rethinking you know his positions on some things even though he's a pretty stubborn guy yeah i heard i heard some things but yeah we still remember you know i mean he was still a legend you know and another person that i think that we need to also highlight and you did highlight obviously as the foreword by alan parsons but alan parsons was the assistant engineer on the album but also not only this went on to engineer another album that i wanted to ask so Obviously, in terms of engineers, where would you put Alan Parsons? Because, like, he also went on to do the legendary landmark album of The Dark Side of the Moon as well. That's right. And, you know, with that project, we've got to uh, we got to give him his props. And my understanding is he actually produces that record, and they didn't want to give him mm. uh, that credit. You know, he uh, really was, you know, in addition to the artists themselves, of course, a great visionary behind behind what happened with that record. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was there for a lot of the record, and, and I'm talking about Abbey Road again, mm-hmm. and was an important force for them. Just no doubt about it. And, you know, actually, he doesn't write a, an afterword, but in many ways, the last word of this book goes to Ken Townsend, mm-hmm. um, the legendary maintenance engineer who was so significant in the Beatles story, yeah. developed a uh, helped George Martin bring off... Uh, you know, a day in the life, those sorts of things. Ken Townsend became head of the studio and took the legend of Abbey Road and turned it into, um, he turned it into the studio we know today. He renamed it um, and uh, really traded in on that, that fame to create this world-class facility that lives on. 
this wouldn't be a podcast on Abbey Road and the end of the Beatles without talking about the actual cover of Abbey Road. And I, I like that. I like the cover of your book because you basically keep that same, you know, the same concept a little bit different, a little bit more um, animated, I guess, so to speak. I love the colors on it. Um, but we've got to talk about the actual cover. So do you buy into the rumors of, uh, I think, the, the the car, the white car that's on the cover, um, then the whole Paul McCartney thing talking about that's not the real Paul McCartney he died in a car crash or something. Um, do you believe any of that? And just kind of tell us the your personal background with this uh, album cover of Abbey Road. Well, um, yeah, you know, I do have to cover that material in the book because yeah. it happens as they're contemplating their future. Um, having said that, of course, um, that whole story, that phenomenology ha- happens outside of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really part of them. So I put no credence in it whatsoever that, um, that the Beatles are part of the manufacture uh, or genesis of any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, you can't divorce it from that period. You know, as Paul's suffering from the end of the Beatles, he has Life magazine reporters, right, finding him in England, <laughs> in Scotland, rather, you know, to interview him. So it was uh, just a tough time for him. Yeah, it was a rough time. Yeah, that album cover, absolutely historic. I mean, there's T-shirts made. I have a T-shirt of it. Um, there's, you know, you have even hip-hop artists today, like uh, there's a hip-hop group called Ray Shrimmerd who did a music video walking across Abbey Road, you know, kind of paying homage to the Beatles. Absolutely, I mean, the legacy of this album, which we can kind of, you know, kind of go into that, the legacy of Abbey Road, which was the 11th studio album by the Beatles. So what what would you say is the legacy of the album Abbey Road? Well, you're absolutely right that it has this kind of influence over so many other artists. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody, we the other day, the Quarrymen <laughs> were walking across <laughs> with their instrument cases, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it just continues to resound in, in so many ways visually. Uh, but for the Beatles, to me, walking across that street for the last time, putting out this near-perfect album, and frankly, never uh, returning again as a working band, creates this amazing legend. Um, it may be the most important thing they do, uh, for their story. It's really quite significant, um, the act of uh, sort of leaving early, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't have some protracted, disastrous breakup that went on for years. They got in and got out. And to me, that that definitely affects, um, gosh, that definitely affects their uh, the nature of, of their legend and accomplishment. You know, people, mm-hmm. there's a mystique. There's the word I'm looking for. There's yep. a mystique about them. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. That would that'd be the perfect uh that'd be the perfect word to describe it. Yeah, and this this album obviously goes down in history as one of the greatest. Before I let you go though, I want you to promote the book one more time. So for fans going in to read this book, which is available, I have the link for you in the description if you guys want to get this book. It's fantastic, solid state, the story of Abbey Road and the end of the Beatles. So for fans of the Beatles that are going to read your book, what would you tell them? And for the younger generation like myself that know of the Beatles, obviously, and know of Abbey Road what would you tell them to expect from your fantastic book? Well, I would, uh, you know, a book like this works uh, when it draws you and drives you to go back and, and listen to the songs. And I think it does that. You know, if it gets you to go in and, and hit up YouTube or 
or Apple Music or whatever your your distributor of choice is, mm. I think it's effective. And I know when I was writing it, I was going back just to enjoy outtakes and different moments in the creation of the record. I think that's the best a book about any music any music can do because mm. that's why we're there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, 100% agree. Dr. Kenneth Womack from Monmouth University joining us here on the podcast. Once again, talking the Beatles, his new book, Solid State, The Story of Abbey Road and the End of the Beatles. Dr. Womack, thanks for joining. But what do you have coming up? You got any uh, any other events you got coming up here? Oh, that's it for now. But, you know, I'm trying <laughs> to stay in it and always looking forward to the next thing. <laughs> so busy. So busy. Yeah, you had the listening party. I know you got another book. I know you... You're, you're very busy, but I really I always appreciate you coming on. I feel like I could talk Beatles with you forever, um, and we and we really oh. love having you. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Let's do it again sometime. Be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix, presented by Neat 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 Records, by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing, and make sure to leave us a review. And let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace and love. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.